television, there's Nigel Lithgow, controller of entertainment and comedy at LWT and United. This programme, for the first time, will show the actual making of a band, what goes into that. A lot of people believe they can sing, a lot of people believe they can dance. When they are up against the best, they will realise that they can. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. It's pure and simple. And on the turntable this week, we've got Pop Stars by Hearsay. The original uh, reality TV uh, pop group before Fame Academy, before The Voice, before The X Factor, before... Pop stars the rivals, soap star to superstar, soap star to opera star, soap star to window cleaner. <laughs> Reborn in the USA. Uh, the big reunion. Which they should have been on really, but that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other kettle of uh, fish. Mm. Uh, so this is one we've been looking forward to because I think it's fair to say, Dan, we both enjoyed pop stars when it was on telly. Absolutely. I mean, we enjoyed pop stars in general at this time, didn't we? So what more could we want than a show about pop stars and making a brand new uh, mixed sex pop band, if that's what you could call them? Yes. Uh, <laughs> quite a clinical way to describe the band. <laughs> <laughs> How do you call it? Obviously, you've got boy bands, you've got girl bands. What do you call them? Mixed bands? Just a pop group. Just call them a pop group. Pop group. Yeah, that's what a label on it. Sorry, everyone. Now, Dan, can you remember who the three judges were from Pop Stars? I think I can, Will. I remember there was Nigel, nasty Nigel. Nigel Lithgow. Although, in hindsight, oh, I say hindsight, I've been watching a little bit on uh, YouTube this week. He wasn't as nasty as, as the likes of Simon Cowell went on to be. Mm. Or he wasn't as grumpy as Pete Waterman. No, that certainly wasn't. I think, yeah... People took the like nasty thing that he was doing and went with well, namely Simon Cowell sort of went with it. Oh, I'll tell you who was nasty: that Richard Park from Fame Academy. Oh yeah, the headmaster. Mm, and him and Patrick Kilty did not see eye to eye. No, and obviously Pat- Patrick Kilty, he's married to Cat Dealey, uh, who used to host uh, TV shows. <laughs> she did that wonderful um, spoof of all of this pop idol. Hoopla, the P- Peter K one. Yeah. She hosted that, didn't she? She did. Well, I think this is the biggest tangent we've gone on in the intro, actually. We have, where are we? What episode are we doing? What day is it? Well, and actually, you've dragged me off course because I, I had a funny little uh, thing lined up about asking you about a nasty headmaster that you used to have. But yeah, that's all water under the bridge now. Well, I hope oh, it is. We'll bring it back for another episode, I think. Although I know you still send him... Uh, hate mail in the post well they're parcels and uh, <laughs> but they are quite hateful hate filled hate fueled <laughs> excrement <laughs> but pop stars uh is kind of where it all started for kind of back for this millennia i think it's fair to say 
It was 2000, wasn't it, when uh, the original series aired? It was. And it just, yeah, it just felt so exciting, didn't it, to see behind the scenes of putting this new band together. We had Steps, who were huge. We had S Club, who were huge. We had some others who weren't so huge. Um, and it just, it felt like they were going to become the next best thing. And did they? Well, for a short spell, they did. Uh, but I know what you mean. It was really nice to, uh, as you put it, peek behind the curtain um, and not in the top man changing rooms like you used to do on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Uh, but I was seeing see... if they were empty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to see how a band was formed and kind of how that whole process happens. Obviously, it wasn't a staged in real life, well, I don't think. But Dan, we never finished off talking about who the judges were. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nigel, there was the lovely Nicky Chapman as well. Who now does, is it Home's, uh, some sort of Home or Away? Is it Place in the Sun, Home or Away? Oh, is she acting in Australia? No, not Home and Away. When the family have to choose between living in the UK and going to live in Australia. They never choose Australia, do they? They always Back out. No, not back out. Yeah, back out. Uh, but they probably they go through that whole rigmarole for an hour and then they're like, nah, you're right. They just wanted the free holiday. Good for them, actually. But just, just, did the BBC pay for the holiday? I don't know. Not sure. Well, we paid. Licence pay. Anyway, sorry. So, yeah, Nicky Chapman, the <laughs> lovely Nicky Chapman. <laughs> We're very easy distracted today, Dan. It doesn't bode well for uh, this episode. No, uh, and apologies to listeners. Um, yes, Nicky Chapman. And I don't remember who else. Uh, no, neither did I. And I think it was somebody called Paul Adam. I've got to say, I've got no memory of him being in there at all. Uh, he's a music manager. Okay. And a songwriter as well. Hello, Paul, if you're listening. So, Hearsay, five people in Hearsay. Dan, who are they? So we have Kim Marsh, Mylene Class, Suzanne Shaw... Noel Sullivan and Danny Foster. Uh, we are going to be talking about their first album. First of two albums, actually. Uh, so this uh, will be Popstars, the album we're talking about today, here on Track by Track. So shall we get stuck into the album, Will, finally? Yes, let's ruddy well get in there. So here we go. First and foremost, it has to be pure and simple. So Pure and Simple there, uh, which was the stunning number one single, which was a huge hit for Hearsay. I mean, they were uh, at their peak. I mean, they never got any bigger than this. Half, over half a million copies sold in the first week of this single, Dan. I remember it being huge and I remember it being, it was one of those songs that you just knew it was going to go straight to number one. And... And rightfully so, because not only because of all the hype of the program and everything like that, but I would say this is one of the best pop, pure pop songs of this millennium. Not 
the first time it was recorded, Girl Thing, who obviously we've probably talked about before on the podcast. Probably mentioned him. Uh, did record a version of this, but it, they were dropped by the record company before anything got a chance to be done with it. Um, so then it was given to Hearsay. And, it's, and it is a great song, isn't it? It's a great pop song. A great pop song. <laughs> I have to say, Will, as well, when Girl Thing were on um, the big reunion... They were talking about, obviously, it just did not work out for them, did it? And it was a real shame for them because I think they were promised the world and they didn't get it. But I think some of the members maybe were a little bit bitter towards this song being taken away from them. And I think they thought that, I'm not naming names because I don't remember any of their names, but I think that some of them made out that had they had been given the chance to release this song, maybe they would have had a massive hit with it. But I don't think it would have worked out that way. I'm sorry, my lovelies, but I don't think it would have been the case. Really? Would it? Absolutely not. (laughs) Now, an interesting co-writer on this is Alison Clarkson. A.K.A. Jeremy Clarkson's wife. (laughs) Poor lovey. No, no. Betty Boo. Big fan of Betty Boo. Well, I'm going to surprise the listeners now, and maybe you're going to tell me to take this out of the edit because it's it's controversial. We've said, we've talked about her a lot and how we should do her. I don't know if her name's on the long list. Well, she should be, Dan, because I've mentioned it enough times. And if you're not paying due diligence... Well, you've got access to the whiteboard, lovey. Then I might have to have you in for a disciplinary hearing. Right, well, we'll definitely take it offline then. Or put you on a performance improvement plan at the very least. Uh, we'll talk about this later, but I will get Do some feedback from the listeners. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Do I have any power? No. Oh. So you're just um, you're a little bit like Jackie O'Sullivan in Banana Rama, more of a hide help. And that's the most offensive thing, but very in keeping with the podcast <laughs> insult you've ever made to me. Actually. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> This was the fastest selling, at the time, the fastest selling debut single of all time from a group. Yeah. And again, it was just, there was so much hype and so much, um, you know, we'd seen this band coming together. We'd seen the controversy. We'd seen who got in the band and who didn't get in the band. Of course, I think they went on to do okay. The the five didn't get in the band. Um, But... It was just, yeah, we just, we, after seeing this journey, we just wanted to hear their music and it did not disappoint. We fell in love with them, didn't we? We did. We got to know them more than we got to know any, you know, if you were a fan of these, you probably were a fan of, again, Steps, S Club, that kind of thing. And, but you didn't really, aside from interviews, you didn't really get to know the characters on a personal level. I think you did hear, I mean, the memory for me of pop stars, I don't know if you remember the scene, is when they had a bit of a break for Christmas and when they came back, Nigel insinuated to Kim that she had to lose some weight and she flipped her lid and flew off the handle and all whatever else you want to say and I remember that that was kind of really showing the what goes on behind closed doors and that you know these people are real people it was very insightful yeah and I think that was I mean she was she's she was a mother at the time wasn't she as well I think very very offensive absolutely but it did the trick, got everyone talking, got everyone ranting. Um, as well as the lovely Alison, aka Betty Boo, on writing, you've also got Tim Hawkes and Pete Kirtley. Together they are Giant, Giant with a J, who also produced the track. 
Uh, Pete Kirtley's got quite an interesting backstory. So he On was... On criminal record? Uh, well, I've been asked not to mention that, actually. So he was in a band with the members of Bros before they were Bros or Bros. Um, and then he went on to be in a band called The Blue, who were managed by Spice Girls' first managers. But they not, nothing much happened for them. Uh, but then after that, he formed Giant with Tim and they wrote songs for the likes of Sugar Babes and Stephen Gately and many more. And there's going to be more songs on this album written by them as well. Uh, the name does ring a bell, as in they've done a lot of work for other people. So, and I think, are they still working now, Dan? That's a great question, Will. I'm sure in some capacity they are. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's down at B&M Bargains or whatever. Doing the Tesco deliveries, click and collect, mm. or home deliveries. And this song was so beloved by Hearsay that they recorded a few other versions. Uh, on the next album, they did a new version of it, a bit of a new production. And then when Johnny came on board, they did a version as the B-side to Lovin' Is Easy. Lovely. Track two now. Uh, single two. Ah, The Way to Your Love. Single two. This also has uh, a accolade to it, Dan. It was the second lowest-selling number one single of two thousand and one. I can't believe that, Will, because I think it is a great follow-up. I don't, you know, it's not as good as Pure and Simple. That is, as I said before, it's one of the best pop songs of the millennium, for me at least. That's not a fact. I know it is a fact, but this is a really good pop song, and it was a great follow-up. That you know, really nice mid-tempo thing. There was even a new version of it. They did a, a giant produced uh, a new radio edit of the song, which was originally done by Stargate on the album. So I just think that's a, that's a real shame. Uh, it was a lovely video as well where they were uh, in a country house or like a studio-based country house. Hmm. Uh, they, they didn't have the flamethrowers uh, of the first video, uh, which looked like some of them were emitting some... Uh, Quite toxic gases, uh, if you know what I mean, Dan. Boxing day. Boxing day. Mm. Curry, the morning after a curry. Yeah, or your... Or my artichoke and blue cheese bake. That's vicious, Brings all the boys to the yard. (laughs) (laughs) But also, Will, I'm sure you do know the answer to the question. Do you know what the the number one lowest-selling number one single of 2001 was? Yes, it was Love Don't Cost a Thing by Jennifer Lopez. And again, that's quite surprising. She was a huge star. That was a great song. First single from mm. the album. What, what were people buying in 2001? Uh, but you're right. It is a good pop song. It's got a very uplifting chorus. Yeah, really does. And um, that final kind of chorus. Is, it, is there a key change? If there's not a key yes. change. It's a, yes, there is a key change. Yeah. Um, more kind of backing vocals come in it really is quite a euphoric moment that but yeah i i think it's i think it's a great follow-up and yeah as i uh, kind of touched upon before 
on the album, it was produced by Stargate. Stargate did also uh, write this one. And we've talked about Stargate many, many, many times on the podcast. They started out working with the likes of obviously Hearsay and S Club and Five, but they later went on to write absolute huge worldwide smashes for Rihanna and Beyonce. Not that I'm saying to go from S Club to Rihanna or Beyonce is an upgrade. You know, some people might say it's a downgrade, but I'm just saying mm. from one to the other. And if you are a fan of an uplifting chorus on this album, I would just uh, get comfortable because we're way off at the next one. <laughs> uh, also, interesting fact, uh, there is a almighty remix of this that I remember hearing out in the pubs and clubs a lot back in oh. the day. Right, so we move on then, Will? That's the end of sync- all album track territory from here. So, yeah, brace yourselves, folks. Track three now, and this is a cover of the S Club Juniors classic hit. One step closer. Wish we're thinking. It's just one drop in the sea. It's one step nearer devotion. It's one step closer to me. What you One Step Closer there, which is a jaunty little number for track number three. I like the way that it keeps the upbeatness uh, of the album going uh, with some slightly different sounds. Uh, interesting that Danny Foster is, is listed as co-writer on this track. Yeah, I really do like that there's a few tracks on here where the band did co-write. It would be a shame if if they'd gone into the studio, just record, recorded all these songs that they had kind of no personal connection to, um, of course. And, and they do have some skills as songwriters, as, as we see elsewhere in the album. Or maybe it's just one of the song. But either way, yes, it's good, <laughs> it's good to see on this song. What a bitch. <laughs> um, and I think as well, because Danny's co-wrote it, you hear his voice a lot in this one. And, and he does have a really nice, soulful voice which again, I think he fronts some sort of band at the moment. I do believe he auditioned for something like The Voice or something like that. Yes, I think he was. Uh, pop comeback, uh, pop comeback uh, on The Voice. I don't think he got through though, or I don't think they stood up or pressed their butt. I don't know, what do they do on The Voice? Uh, Turn their chair around. Yes, swivel their chair yeah. around, yeah. Which is a shame, because he does, like, he is a good singer, obviously, but also... He always seemed like a really nice down-to-earth chap. Used to be a window cleaner. Did he? Yeah. I wonder if he still does his own. Imagine pulling the curtains in the morning and having him grinning back at you. I can think of much worse things, like that time when we were caravanning together and I opened the window and there you were, relieving yourself. (laughs) Pissing up the wall. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, the caravan you were staying in was so dishevelled and downtrodden, I thought it was the toilet block. (laughs) That is a family heirloom. Thank you very much. Uh, Who else is behind this track? Because obviously Danny did not write it on his own, I'm sure. No, it wasn't just him. You're quite right. It was Ray Madman Hedges, who I'm pretty sure we've talked about before. Uh, He's worked with everyone from uh, Maxi Jazz and Cher to PJ and Duncan and Zigzag. Muppets. Uh, and you've also got on there Nigel Butler. 
Oh, so uh, Ray Hedges and Nigel Butler. So they fell out with their respective cigarette tobacco partners. <laughs> and decided to go into songwriting. I wonder what ever happened to Peter Benson and uh, George Lambert. <laughs> so yes well like you said it just kind of eases you into the album doesn't it it's it's certainly wouldn't i don't think it ever sh- was or should have been considered for single number three um but it's a nice way it's a nice little uh jaunty soulful but still a very poppy number track number four now and this is another lover <laughs> Another lover there. Some wonderful, uh, this is uh, vocal harmonies in there. I think this is why I guess the five of them were chosen as they were because of how they could harmonise with each other. Yes, absolutely. Because of course, in a lot of other bands, you do have the weaker singers, but all the members of this band auditioned on their own, didn't they? So they are all great singers. And then they did uh, during the selection process or during the um, process of making the band they put different groups together to get them spot on and I remember I haven't seen it for years the program and to be honest I haven't uh, watched anything about the show ahead of doing this episode but you've now we're talking about it I really want to watch some of it um, but I do remember there was a moment when they put them all five members of Hearsay together before they were selected as Hearsay so they kind of there was a moment when it mm, kind of yeah it, it worked before before it was confirmed um, but yeah, the, the harmonies are great on this one. This has always been one of my favourite songs on this album. Um, and it's not, you know, the biggest, shiniest, danciest, poppiest number, but there's just something about... Far, far from it. Far from it, yeah. But just the... I think it is that. It's the harmonies, it's the voices. It's a great melody. And of course, you've got Kim leading this one and she does sound fantastic. So, should we move on to track five? Let's go. And five is one. <laughs> You think I'm gonna get serious I'm talking about the ring for the two of us Better give it up and be ridiculous Cause you missed the bus You gotta realize I'm not the kind of guy Giving you my promises to qualify Maybe even though you got it going on Don't mean that you're the Dan, that's one of my favourite tracks on the album. I knew it. So I guessed funky. it. Very, very funky. The wonderful Stargate on that one again. I was getting oh, you real. You can tell, can't you? It just feels another level. The band? Not the group. Not the no? Group. Okay. Because I wasn't going to say another level. I'm glad you said that. I was thinking three or taller in more ways era Sugar Babes, maybe. One of their album tracks. You know, that's just the sort of specificity. Specificity. That I come to expect from you, Dan, on this on this uh, podcast. Is that a good so thing? So thank or... you. Yeah, no, that's good. Oh, but you have this real—you can real laser focus sometimes in onto what something reminds you of. That I'd like to think our listeners and myself get. Well, that's one of the nicest things you've ever said to me. Are you okay? Oh, I didn't mean to be. <laughs> uh, 
I will try and think of a compliment to pay you at some point in this podcast. I don't know if it definitely will happen, but I'll do my best. I won't hold my breath. Uh, but the, on this track, I love the and that second verse that the boys have uh, is very slinky, very funky. Yeah, I like that bit as well. It's nice to hear Noel and Danny at it together because I don't know if you really get that elsewhere on the album. So, shall we move on to track six? Let's go for it. Track six, not the kind. Do you know what it reminds me of, Dan? I was going to try and have a guess, but no, I'm, I'm actually, I've got no idea. It'd be too vague. A classic number. There's things in life uh, are free. Absolutely. Luther Vandross. Yeah, it's got that all over it, hasn't it? And I did write down about this one. It's it's like classic disco. But yeah, that's, uh, it's very much that, Will. And it's almost like this is the, there's this one and the next track are very disco-y. Uh, so we're having a bit of a disco moment on Track by Track. And around this time, of course, disco, you know, I think Steps were doing Stomp and uh, maybe a bit of Don't Stop Moving was that around this time. So disco was kind of having a bit of a pop comeback. But one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking about uh, this album and Hearsay is how do you think their sound compares to Steps and S Club? Do you think it's in the same vein or do you think they've got a different sound? I think it is in the very a very similar vein to a lot of late 90s, early noughties kind of chart pop that was around. Because uh, they're all using the same production, or same producers, same writers. And I think a lot of these songs, as we talked about with Girl Thing, get kind of passed around more often than a joint at Glastonbury. Oh, uh, particularly with... Well, I was going to say, no, actually, you don't pass it around, do you? You hog it. I honk it and hog it. Now, I was going to say, Will, I'd not, I'm not, you know, I don't like to disagree with you, but I think there's something about Hearsay sound that's a little bit... I, I can't imagine Steps or S Club doing this song or some of the other album tracks on here. I think they've almost tried to do more of a mature version of it in some ways. But hey, maybe well, that's just me. Well, well yeah, you are entitled to your own opinion. And opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's got one, and some of them quite are... Quite wide, quite wide, quite broad. Some of them are very, very wrong. <laughs> so, should we move on to track seven? Yes, track number seven now. Uh, this is one of my favourites as well. We're continuing the disco theme. This is Make It Happen. Make It Happen, uh, which is a great uh, disco track co-written by Miley, Noel and Suzanne. 
I do think the start of the verses are very powerful. I'm almost a little bit underwhelmed by the chorus. Yeah, I think I agree, actually. It's the bridge that I really like. I think Noel gives that real fantastic delivery and it just kind of, it it almost, you know, it feels like a shooting star flying through the sky or something like that. Um, but it's still, it's another fantastic disco funk inspired song. So with the run of this and not the kind and one, you know, it's, it's a great kind of mid album ground almost. But I did think actually, well, do you think, because obviously One Step Closer and Another Lover, Another Lover, um, are a bit more mid-tempo. Do you think some of these songs should have been earlier or do you think the run, the, the track listing works? No, I think these two tracks that we've just been talking about are great in the middle of the album. Because uh, I think the album after this track, I don't want to preempt the next few tracks, but there's definitely a drop and not in a good way. <laughs> a donk. No, not when the drop happens, like when it all goes off or when you're at the fun fair and you that's when you go right down. Uh, but a drop in pace and, I hate to say it, Dan, quality. Right. Track number eight now. Three. That sounds does sound really uh, Backstreet Boysy. Backstreet Boysy, yeah, that it does actually, yeah. It's got that um, very almost R and B tinged, but still very pop sound. That one hasn't it. And it's not no surprise that Stargate are on the produce for that one because it just has their fingerprints all over it. Definitely, I think as well. What I like about this one is a breathe, a song called Breathe with lots of breath on there very kind of very early 2000s but not very covid secure so if i did see someone doing this one at karaoke nowadays i'd probably step back or step out that room step out that booth but breathe what a fun song it's a fun song i think it is it's it's one of the strongest pop songs on here i think like you said it's backstreet boys-esque but i could imagine s club having this on one of theirs um i think it's obviously delivered well the vocals are great as we've said, the vocals are always great with these five. But I have to say, as much as I like it, there are a, a lot of songs in here that I had forgotten about ahead of re-listening recently. And this is one of them. Um, I remembered um, Another Lover. I remembered Make It Happen. I remembered some of the stuff coming up. But this one, it was like, it was like learning it and loving it all over again. Uh, like recovering from a skiing accident. And you... Did have a skiing accident, <laughs> did you? Did you will. <laughs> I was on a snowboard and I went down a big hill, uh, and I, I someone had bent down to tie up their snow boots, uh, and I actually went up them like a ramp. And you dented your helmet, didn't you? <laughs> yes, quite spectacularly. A lot of pain afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> on the piste. Uh, well, I do enjoy a bit of apres ski. Yes, me too. We we do keep saying we are going to go on a skiing jaunt one day, aren't we? Not just us two. No, uh, it'd be quite a large group. 
with lots of members oh, my and favorite. some women as well <laughs> <laughs> so track number nine now and this is what i was uh after that accident oh carried away So that is carried away. This really is the first proper ballad moment on the album. And I'm quite surprised it took them this long to get here, really. Um, and it's a Kim vocal lead on this one, which I think is probably to be expected. Will, would we say that Kim was the strongest vocalist? Or would we just say that she... Well, yeah, what would we say? I, I would say she is the strongest vocalist in the group. And she would often lead, wouldn't she? And of course, Kim did leave the band and was replaced by Johnny. Johnny previously was in the pop group Boom. Do you remember Boom? I remember Boom. I bought that single. I remember seeing them perform it for the first time on CD UK. I remember thinking, is this my next new favourite band? And then... They imploded, (laughs) sadly. It's just at this time... I just think there probably were so many bands around that... Because I remember the single... Did it make number 11 or something? It didn't get top 10... And I, from what I remember, I think they were dropped just after that. How unfair, really. Mm. Uh, but Johnny lived on. Uh, I mean, the others didn't die. Um... <laughs> uh, what, Dan, what am I thinking? We've been rabbiting on again. But actually, what a great time to talk about fantastic album artwork. And I knew it was going to be this one, Will. It had to be. Now, this album cover... I don't mean to sound overly dramatic, but it's quite iconic from the early noughties. Yeah, definitely. And this was uh, the image on the front was everywhere because it was posters. It was in magazines. It was on telly. uh, And you've got the hearsay logo. Pop stars underneath. And then you've got their five heads. They're all looking quite surly uh, in the picture, apart from Kim, who looks like a pop star. She looks like a pop star. She sounds like a pop star. She's on an album cover like a pop star. And the album's called Pop Stars. A great logo as well, but slightly annoying use of um, punctuation in name. When you're typing that out, when you're texting that out, it always tries to autocorrect it. As heresy. Or hemorrhage. Ah. And you actually did hemorrhage once, Stan. <laughs> so let's move on. Track number 10 now is Sweet comparisons to draw and they're a bit of a stretch so do bear with so I think the verses sound a bit like Alanis Morissette 
and I think the guitar uh, and beat sounds a bit like Madonna, Don't Tell Me era. Yeah, I hear that, definitely. And that was released in 2000, wasn't it? So kind of could very well have taken influence from that. I was thinking that this is maybe one of the most mature sounds on the album. Mature, not mature. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound like Vienna or Band-Aid. Uh, and I was thinking it could have been something like Natalie Imbruglia or maybe like Mel, Solo Mel B or something like that. Wow, like we both had a stab at some pop comparisons there. Uh, but again, it's a great album track, isn't it? Yeah, again, it, it feels mature, but it also feels quite experimental. Some of those sounds, some of the, the synth loops and the actual, just the first bit of music on this song before the vocals come in is definitely a more of an experimental thing. And Will, I forgot to mention on the last song, because I was waiting for you to talk about the album artwork, forgot to talk about songwriters. And there is a name on this song and that song who I don't know if we've talked about before. No, oh. we definitely have. No, we have talked about before. Tracy, Tracy Love. Tracy Love, Tracy Ackerman. Uh, she has worked with Absolute, who we talked about on the Jerry Hallowell Schizophonic episode, because she co-wrote some of that with Absolute. Absolute, of course, um, for anyone who doesn't know, wrote a lot of the Spice Girls early stuff. But with Absolute, Tracy worked on a lot of Bewitched's biggest hits. And also, Will, she's been a backing singer with Tessa Love. Tessa Niles. Who we adore. Uh, also, Dan, I just want to pick you up on the fact you said experimental song and hearsay in the same sentence. Hey, experiment. <laughs> what I should have said is experimental for a hearsay song. That is heresy. Oh. Track number 11 now. Uh, and this is what you said when you were rebuffed for the umpteenth time by the boy in the chip shop. <sighs> I didn't want you anyway. You're sorry. It doesn't work anymore Before I go insane Don't need you to explain Don't want your sympathy Gotta tell you finally Before you walk away There's something I need to say I didn't want you anyway I So I didn't want you anyway. I love the fact that that song does not go the way you think because you think, oh, it's going to be another very middle of the road, very average album track. Uh, and then it turns into a slightly less middle of the road, not quite as average album track <laughs> at the chorus. Yeah, definitely agree. It was, it was a bit nice relief when that happened. Um, and also then later on, you've also got that big key change, which when you hear that the co-writers on this one, Quiz and LaRossi, have worked with Westlife, you understand the need for that key change. Um, this one, Will, I, f I felt like it really sounded like 2001. It's, you know, some songs can be a bit timeless. Some songs um, date. But this felt very 2001. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing because, you know, the Beatles sound like the 60s and whatever. But yeah, I think it's very then. Very zen? Then. Sorry, I just, you were a bit muffled. Uh, track number 12 now, and this is a cover of the classic Darius track, oh. uh, which is actually chronologically impossible, uh, <laughs> Colourblind.
So, Colorblind there, of course, sadly, not a cover of the Darius classic. But, of course, Darius uh, recorded that song uh, after coming third on Pop Idol. But we got to first meet Darius in a very, there's a very different character on Pop Stars. He was uh, quite an interesting character, wasn't he, Will? He was. took himself very seriously at the time. Uh, but, obviously, he's gone on to have a really successful stage career. Uh, he's a very well-respected actor now. Uh, and actually, I enjoyed some of his music. Colorblind, his colorblind was great. Do you remember Levels? Rushes. Level, Rushes. Ru- Rushes. Rush, Rushes was great. And I liked, I think it was called Girl on the Moon as well. Oh. Mm. Girl, girl on Girl. <laughs> the, burnt, the Burnt Girl. But this colorblind, uh, well, I've got a very personal connection to this song because way back in... I was in year 11 when this came out. No, year 10. Um, at, in drama, we were told we had to create our own... At drama at school, we were told we had to create our own soap opera. And so I said, I selected this song for us to use as the theme tune for the soap opera because I thought that instant hit at the beginning and going straight into the chorus just felt very sort of TV theme. I, do you know what? You just Your stories, uh, I just don't know how many more you've got because they're just endlessly entertaining and endless yes not that that's a bad thing well it's not what you said it's how you looked at me when you said it with utter contempt this is my favorite song on the album i am flabbergasted with i'm shocked to my core really yeah wow but i think it almost does the opposite of uh i didn't want you anyway in that uh it kicks off banging and then dies down and then kicks off again but I think it's one of their best. That's so interesting. I, um, yeah, it's never, despite the fact that I selected it as that very famous soap opera theme tune, uh, never been a favourite of mine. I think I found it too, too poppy almost, um, certainly with that chorus right in at the start. Also, it sounds like there's a seagull going mad. I don't know if around the recording studio, there's a seagull or a bunch of them flapping around, but I can hear that in this song. And the producers were Sugar Gang. Do you know anything about them, Dan? No, Will, and I can't find out anything for love nor money. Every time I try to search Sugar Gang music producers, I get the Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, of course, a very different. I imagine it wasn't mm, them no. producing <laughs> here, so I'd be very surprised, actually. Track number 13 now, and this on this track, Love is a bit like this Hearsay album. Uh, <laughs> love Will Never End. hear this song i always expect it to be not as good as it actually is and the chorus is surprisingly uplifting yeah i i agree the the chorus is good but i don't i honestly don't love the verses in this one and i find the lyrics really cringy actually i think 
the way that they each take turns to sing a line and they're singing almost they're singing directly at someone and they're singing things like remember we love you it's just got my toes curling a bit this one they're talking to their fans aren't they obviously well it's a bit presumptuous i mean debut album well off the back of a highly successful television show i mean some people say it's better than the sopranos who are we to argue i do think that's a bit of a stretch (laughs) (laughs) this one another uh stargate one and this is the first kind of stargate slower number isn't it do you know what's disappointing is the Stargate songs on this album don't have the uh, Stargate. Do they do a Stargate thing? I don't remember there. I mean, they weren't as uh, meticulous with it as Red One, but oh. I'm pretty or, sure um, I'm pretty sure they did. Or who did Convict? Acom. Um, and this, so this well, this is the last original song on the album. But of course, we know it's not the last song on the album. Do you think should they have left it with this song? Do you think? Because Bridge Over Trouble Water, that appeared as the B-side, as you said before, to Pure and Simple. So is 15 too many or were they just being generous? I think they just wanted to give as much as possible. And I think Monday, Monday and Bridge Over Trouble Water were very much part of the show. Yeah. So very much for the fans. That's lovely. So let's listen to track 14. Still going. Monday, Monday. So Monday, Monday there, that is, of course, a cover of the Mamas and Poppers classic. Well, I think this is the first time we've mentioned the Mamas and the Poppers on Track by Track. Are we going to put them on the long list? Uh, why not? Everyone else is on there. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't mean we ever get to them. Everyone and the grandma, so we may as well put the Mama and the Popper on there as well. I mean, obviously, this isn't a patch on the original, but what I do like is Noel's vocals. Yeah. Noel's vocal is great. And also the harmonies, of course, as you said, this played a big part in this show because in various different groups, people were asked to sing this and, and perform it with harmonies. Um, and yeah, they do it well. It's Yeah, it's not... The original is a classic. It's far superior. But this is produced by Giant, who, of course, did um, a lot of the tracks on this album. So it's uh, it, I think it fits in nicely on the album. It doesn't feel like a, a, a an add-on. Speaking of add-ons, uh, track 15, it's Bridge Over Troubled Water. Over Troubled Water there, the last track on the album. And what better way to end a very mediocre album than with a questionable cover of another classic song? Unfair? I, hmm. I mean, 
again, you can't take away from the original. This is, of course, a Simon and Garfunkel song. I think we've already talked about the best cover of a Simon and Garfunkel song, and that is, of course, The Sound of Silence by Bananarama from Fever. Um, obviously. So, obviously. So this is... It showcases them, and it's what it was meant to do in the programme. But again, I just wonder if maybe it would have been better to leave this as an album of new songs. I could just about swallow Monday Monday, but I think this is a step too far. Also, I think 15 tracks for a pop album like this is far too many. Yeah, it's it's a lot of tracks, Will. But we have come to the end of the album. We have, Dan. Just a word on the album performance before I forget. Oh, as if you ever would. Uh, this was a number one album. Uh, I think I mentioned it at the top of the episode. Uh, number one album in the UK. Uh, and it sold just shy of a, th- a million copies, three times platinum. And it was generally uh, quite average to negatively reviewed the album. And I like to think our commentary today has probably reflected that as well. Yeah. And do you know what? I, I, in all honesty, I did feel for them a bit because, of course, they went through the programme, they won, but the public never really accepted them, I don't think. I think the, the snobby music press felt like you know, that this is like too manufactured. And of course, we go on to see much, much, much more of that as the years went on. But also, I just don't think they quite had the appeal of Steps and S Club and things like that, which is a real shame. However, Natalie Cassidy, uh, when reviewing the album for the BBC, gave it a thumbs up. What, that Natalie Cassidy? I think so. Yes, yes. I, um... Stunned and pleasantly surprised. I wonder she was in the show then. Was she just moonlighting, making a bit more extra cash? Yeah, she was just doing some freelance journalism on the side, just for some pocket money. <laughs> just doing this now. <laughs> so let's have some further listening now. And I think because it's unlikely we'll come back to hearsay again, I think we're wide open now for anything else from hearsay. Dan, I'd love to go first. So for me, I'm going with the lead single from their second album, uh, which is actually, surprisingly, an absolute banger. This is Everybody. Everybody there, and we were both bouncing around to that song, and I think that's probably one of the best things here. They did. It's such a good pop song, and I think it's actually a, a bit of a forgotten song, really, because everyone thinks of them and thinks of Pure and Simple and knows that they didn't really do much else. But this is such a banger, and it's not surprising it's such a banger because of the uh, personnel that were behind it. Pray tell, William. Well, you've got Ash House, uh, who uh, at one point was involved with Xenomania. You've also got uh, Richard Stannard, amongst others, on there. And Julian Gallagher. So some real pop pedigree behind the scenes. Unfortunately, it's probably only two of the songs on their second album that are any good, in my opinion. Oh, so I actually thought, because I gave this a listen as well, and I thought some of these 
were better than some of the album tracks on the other one. Although maybe you still think that, but still think they weren't great. Maybe it's worth a revisit. The thing I found really strange about this second album is that this came out in the same year as pop stars so the album everybody came out in the december so nine months later or eight nine months later clearly they were did they suddenly realize like hang on this isn't going to last forever let's get another album out there um i don't know but the album this one of course like i said pop stars broke records went to number one this album peaked at number 24 Mm. Uh, also there was I don't remember who did it now because I did have this on single there was a great remix of everybody I don't know if it was Almighty or Slee Sisters but there was a great I think, remix. It, was all, I think it was Almighty yeah I did like that Dan what have you gone for? so I've gone one step further and I've gone for the this as you said this was a single this was the only single from this album next came Loving Is Easy after Kim had left the band and when Johnny joined the band which was also the band's last single to date so here's a bit of Love Is Easy. Loving is easy there. This song was written by David Erickson, who we've talked about on the podcast before. But I think the really interesting thing about this song uh, and this time for the band, this, of course, is a little bit more of a more mature sound, certainly when compared to everybody. And this was released just a few weeks after Just a Little by Liberty. Uh, Oh, poor bookers. I know. Liberty X, I should say, of course, who were previously known as Liberty, who were the five who didn't get into the final band on pop stars and as we know the rest is history liberty exeter a very successful career um and it just felt a real shape like great for liberty x i'm really happy for them but for the guys in uh hearsay it just felt like you know just a little was a huge number one this one peaked at number six just wasn't wasn't gonna happen was it and i, I think not long after this they called it they called time on it and they said they admitted that probably they were a fad it will it gone over yeah I've rambled on, but what do you think to the song? I actually like it. It's a, it's a more mature, funky number. And I was still enjoying it whilst we were listening to it just then. I just think, unfortunately, they, their time had gone. And I think they probably should have just called it a day uh, when Kim, when Kimmy Love went, went on uh, to do her own thing and started hobbling down the cobbles. Uh, which, well, that came sometime later. But... Yeah, Liberty X were on the ascension uh, at this point. Uh, and, you know, they had, a, yeah, like I say, a great career. Uh, with just a little, being nobody, uh, got to have your love, etc., etc. And, well, I just want to put it out there. Their debut album turns 20 next year. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And all that jazz. We're... What? Out of time. time on Hearsay, as they were themselves in 2002. So I hope, well, we hope, sorry, Dan. Mm. We hope you've enjoyed uh, some reliving some memories of the pop stars years and talking about Hearsay's lengthy debut album. 
but we got there together in the end. Thank you for listening. Do let us know what you thought at Track by Track UK. And if you have enjoyed today's episode, please do head over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a very generous five-star rating if you really liked it and a positive review if you really liked it. And Dan, can you give us a hint and a tease of what's coming up next on Track by Track? I can, and it's very different next week. So we are talking about a huge Canadian singer-songwriter and we are talking about an album that is one of the biggest selling albums of all time and went on to produce a very successful uh, Broadway show as well. Wow, Uh, yeah, it is something really different from hearsay, but such is the joy of Track by Track. So until next time, I've been Johnny Shentel. And I've been Nigel Lithgow. Goodbye. Goodbye. Happy Easter. Oh, that's lovely. Because we're coming up, this this weekend coming is Easter. Oh. And Dan, uh, I if you're thinking about getting me an egg for Easter this year, uh, don't bother. Oh, I'd, why not? Well, I'd rather have the cash, but also um, just get me a box of fingers. Well, have you already got some eggs in? Yeah, and I do enjoy fingers at Easter. <laughs> <laughs>